always got Pixlexia, okay? This all on you? This all on your cow? Welcome, foolish mortals. It is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you tonight. The reference here is very obscure. Welcome to the Obscure World of Disney. You're listening to the Obscure Disney Podcast. It's our belief that no detail is too small, no character cameo too short, and no quirk too strange to be celebrated. And with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, why not get an annual pass wherever you get your podcast from or find us at ObscureDisneyPodcast.com. And see all of our fun patches at DisneyPatch.com. Steve, what becomes a legend the most? Uh, I don't know. What's a, what's a legend? <laughs> Well, today we're going to talk about Disney legends. (laughs) What I find interesting is that I couldn't find actual verification that this person we're talking about today is actually verifiably a Disney legend, which I find crazy. The Disney has, don't they have like the Hall of Legends there or something? Yeah, and there's a list, um, but I literally typed in, is Joe Rohde a Disney legend? And it didn't have a direct answer. Oh. And I was like... It seems like something that would come up very easily if you typed in, yeah. is Joe Rohde a Disney legend? It would say, yes, he was inducted into it at this date, you know, or whatever. I wonder if you have to die to be on the list. No, because uh, Whoopi Goldberg's in there and she's oh. still alive. Is Neil Patrick Harris? Which probably. <laughs> then Joe Rohde's definitely on the list. I, either way, I think Joe Rohde counts as a Disney legend because his career is phenomenal. And it's full of all sorts of things that have affected everybody who loves Disney. Right. And that's what I find most interesting about it is looking through the history of the things that he's done with the Disney company. I was like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. So I've decided that me and Joe Rohde are just kindred spirits and we have a similar taste. All except for his earring thing. Yes. Oh, okay. So we're going to get this out of the way right away. We have to. So Joe Rohde, uh, besides being known for being a phenomenal Disney designer and Imagineer, he is also well known for his left earlobe. Yeah, right. Which at this point is brushing his shoulder. At- completely with the with what he wears in there. It's incredible how he's not ripped that thing off of his, out of right? his ear completely. I have no idea. Like it feels to me like it's a danger. I do have an anecdote as to how it started. Okay. Apparently, he thought it would be clever to put his five-year with Disney anniversary pin in his ear when he got it, and now it's become almost like a collection of things that he gets as he travels the world, because Joe Rohde um, is a world traveler. He's been all over the place, and he loves that sort of explore-around type of thing. Yeah, so would I. So... Instead of, I don't know, pictures or knickknacks, he buys things that will go in his ear, which is just, (laughs) it's a choice. It's not one I would make, but it's a choice. Yeah. Um, So outside of that, outside of that, I love listening to him talk. He's phenomenal. I just, I can't imagine it hasn't got snagged on anything. Oh, ouch. That just hurts. That That hurts the back of my knees when you say that. Go for it, Mr. Brody. (laughs) Rody. Rody. (laughs) Or Road. I've not been able to just to have them say if it's Joe Rody or Road, but I've heard it said both ways. Oh, have you? I've only heard Rody. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, because, um, he has a a series of vlogs on the Disney website, apparently, that's called, like, 
the roads less traveled or something along those lines. Oh yeah, he does. You're right. Yeah. So it might, and it be, would totally make more sense if, yeah, but it could sad. be the roadies less traveled by, but road makes more sense in that. I guess we have to like deal it. We have to go find footage of him saying, his yeah, name. I need, I need him to introduce himself so I can say his name correctly. Right. Uh, from here on out, we'll just call him Joe, so I don't offend anybody with mispronouncing his That's name. That's right. Um, um, next week's episode. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> clarify next week. Um, he joined Imagineering after getting out of college in 1980, which is a good long time ago. Long enough, I think, to be a Disney legend, legend in my opinion. For sure. Um, and one of the first things he worked on was uh, as a designer on the Fantasyland refurbishment that happened in 1983 Disneyland. This was his first job? Yeah. He didn't have to start an ice cream cart like everybody else? No, because he he came in as a designer. He came in with a college degree in design. Okay. So I think they put him in there, and I don't think he was a lead in Fantasyland, but I think he probably helped quite a bit with that. Um, In which which park are we talking about? Is that Disneyland. Okay, yeah. The Disneyland Fantasyland refurbishment uh, opened in 1983. It's the best year ever Mm because it's the year I was born. Um, And so his Disneyland Fantasyland is the only one that I've ever known. Okay. I've never seen, I mean, I've seen pictures of it before, but physically it's the only one that I've ever been in. Right. Me too. Um, and he did, well, I've never not been in that one really, (laughs) (laughs) but he did phenomenal work there. And then they switched him to work in Epcot, which I thought was an interesting switch. It's quite a change. What year was Epcot open? Wasn't that about opening time for Epcot? It was open in 83. Was it open in 83? Yeah. Um, so somewhere, not everything was open though when it opened. Oh, still nothing. Not everything's open. We're still waiting on pavilions, (laughs) right? Uh, he helped work on the, uh, America pavilion. Um, wow, that's grand. For those of us that have been there and those of us that haven't, the America Pavilion has a huge animatronic presentation about American history. It's crazy. It is. It's it's very over the top and their their figures are really impressive in there, even for how old they are. Yeah, I find them very impressive. It's a stage show, basically, yeah. that they come up out of the stage. Um, ben Franklin comes alive right there. They do. And apparently, Joe is the voice of Alexander Graham Bell in that production, oh. which I did not know. Um, and he also worked as a model designer and a scenic painter in the Mexico pavilion while he was there. Oh, that's pretty fun. So already he's working on important things that yeah. we all know about. Um, and I'm sure people were super impressed by the work he did uh, enough so that they then transferred him to work on Captain EO. Oh, that's fun. Um, and I didn't realize this, but when you go, well, you probably will never see it again in the parks, but Mm. if you watch the preview, um, video that you would see before you went into Captain EO, um, they have kind of like a behind the scenes look at them working on the production. Yeah. Um, and apparently Joe is in that video, but people don't normally recognize him because this is before he had Uh his ears accoutrement. Yeah. So um, I'll have His to look go... does change throughout the years. It does. It? <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch the Captain EO pre video to see if I can spot him. Uh, but Captain EO was 
probably one of the biggest projects going at the time. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson was at the peak of his popularity and people were losing their minds that Captain EO was a thing that was coming into the parks. I could see that. So the prestige that would come with working on Captain EO would be really high, I think. And remind me who the actress in that was like Jessica. Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Scared the sprinkles out of me. <laughs> I remember seeing Captain EO as a kid and... You like it was a 3D movie, so you had to wear 3D glasses to even see what was going on. Oh, really? Um, well, I wouldn't wear them for Captain EO. Yeah. Okay. I was a very scared child. Yeah. Um, I to wouldn't be wear fair, my. Th- I take them off half the time nowadays. <laughs> well, I take them off now because they make me sick. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's why. Um, I I wouldn't wear my 3D glasses, and then the second Angelica Houston showed up, well, I would my eyes would be closed because I could not with Angelica Houston because she was so scary. She was so scary. Huh. I don't know why. Yeah. It was just one of those things. She's relatively pretty in that show. I'm surprised they didn't change her look more in that. I mean, she's a giant cyborg without legs. Oh, I don't remember very well. (laughs) (laughs) She's like all attached to pipes and she comes down out of the ceiling. None of this ringing a bell. I just remember her looking really pretty in white. Yeah. She's super white, like super blank white. Yeah. And then she's got like weird pointy fingers. Okay. You think me beautiful? Clicky, clicky, click. Oh, scared me so bad as a kid. Jeez. Next. Okay. Again on next episode. Yeah. Next episode, we'll talk about (laughs) Captain EO and how terrifying it was as a child. Um, And then... uh, he just continued to work on all sorts of amazing, amazing projects. Um, for instance, uh, Disney Sea, which is lauded as one of Disney's the best. best theme parks. Yeah, many people the world over have said is the best theme park on earth. And when you look at footage from it, I was just doing this the other day, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't even look like a theme park. Not at all. Not even close. It looks like an environment. It totally does. Like, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's beautiful. Um, apparently he worked as, uh, well, he was the visual inspiration, which is why it makes me think that he has to be a Disney legend. He was the visual inspiration for a character called Harrison Hightower, who is the owner of the Tower of Terror ride in Disney Sea. And he totally looks like Joe Rody, right? He really does. <laughs> if you want to look, if you want to see a non-ear stretched version of Joe Rody, of Joe Rody, <laughs> go look at Harrison Hightower, the owner of the Tower of Terror in Disney Sea. Oh, it's funny. Um, it's really cool. Um, that whole secret society thing, I think, is so fun, and I wish Disney would do more with it. Um, but thus far, it mostly stays in other parks. Yeah, other than I the can't American wait to talk parks. about just that entire park by itself um, because of all of the cool. They have added a bunch of um, IPs to the park that are not Disney properties. You know, it's like very specific mm, to that park. Sure. That was something that we were saying that we miss a lot about the American parks now. Them um, adding in new characters. New characters. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that idea too. So to learn more about it, I can't wait. Sure. Um, he also uh, opened a club which I'm sure you'd be excited to know. In 1989, he opened the Adventure Club in Pleasure Island down in Florida, (laughs) um, which is set up exactly as it sounds. It's like a 1920s, 30s hunting lodge kind of thing. Um, And people loved it. They thought it was a great time. Um, I'm sure the theming was incredible because, like I said, Joe is a world traveler. Yeah. So he would uh, take a lot of inspiration from those sort of things and put them into his work. And he only works on the one club there, huh? Uh, as far as I know. Well, yeah. he wouldn't do the Team Bop Club thing that was there. Like... I mean, he could have. <laughs> but I think Joe uh, has a very similar aesthetic to mine where he likes 
the jungles yeah. and the the more adventurous side yeah. of things, uh, which I can totally relate to. It's totally what I would lean into as well. Yeah, um, you can see that. And then he kind of got uh, one of his bigger <laughs> callings to go in and be the lead designer at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Mm. And here it is, folks. Uh, I I think it is his crowning achievement, personally. Of course it is, yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. The park is gorgeous. The theming is so complete that sometimes you forget that you're in Florida. Yeah. Um, you're walking around through, you know, uh, Asian temple space and going, oh, wait, this isn't a real temple. <laughs> These aren't real statuary. These are built, you know. Some of it could be, though. They brought, uh, you know, we talked about it before where they brought in uh, carvers from the native countries. They did. And they brought in pieces, actually, from from countries as well. They like wood carvings and windows yeah. just straight up had uh, craftsmen in those countries build them for them. And didn't they actually have some imported from the countries, too? I'm sure no. they did, yeah. I can't remember. And they they were, with Joe leading it, he wanted it to be as authentic as humanly possible. Right. And so I think he has a great respect for other cultures and representing them in a way that is respectful and celebrates these different cultures. Yeah. And amazing. you can feel what, that in the animal kingdom, I what think. What a concept. What a direction to take for that park, right? A zoo, but... It's the most incredible zoo you've ever been in. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Like, you can just spend all day just looking at individual little pieces of the park. I love it. Yeah. If if I could be in a park by myself for a day, Animal Kingdom would be the one that I would want to walk around in hmm. the most. I could see that. Because it's Take my, like I said, it's Kingdom. my aesthetic. It's what I love. And while I love Disneyland and Magic Kingdom and all those sort of things, the Animal Kingdom is by far the one that speaks to me most. You yeah. know, oh for sure, I love it definitely. And all all, all the animals, ah, I love the They're animals. So I, we've been watching that show on Disney Plus, The Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Us, and I amazing. You, you know, I've never been one of those people that gets overly involved in TV shows or yells things at the TV. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm going, "Will somebody check on the zebra?" <laughs> I can't believe you just left her there. You know, just ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. It's like my version of a soap opera. I do have to say, correction as well, is that the um, the safari ride that's there. Yeah. I said that that was bigger than the um, original Disneyland, right? Oh, you did say that. And I not only is that true, but it's twice as big. Oh. That it's over 100 acres. And original Disneyland was like 55 acres. Ooh. So just that aspect. And that's not all the back. That's that's just the ride that you're actually in. That's just the space you see. Yeah, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Take that Florida project. <laughs> yeah, so impressive. Um, and then on top of that, he was also the main person in charge of the attraction as Expedition Everest, which is yeah. pretty infamous at this point. Um, it's a fun coaster, good time. People have said it's the best coaster on earth. Wow. Mm -hmm. I de I definitely enjoy it. I don't know that you enjoy it as much as I do. That's how you know it's a good coaster. <laughs> um, but it's mostly infamous because of the Disco Yeti. Um, we got a whole patch about it. Which, yeah, <laughs> we do. Which Joe was very ambitious about and built this massive Yeti that the, gr the cars would encounter in the mountain. And it was so big and its movement was so wide-ranged 
that it actually started cracking the foundation of the ride. <laughs> yeah. How great is this? And he says, I want to fix it, but there's no guarantees that we'll ever get a fixed Yeti, honestly. He's started in recent years saying that it's his life mission to fix it. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. Disney has opened up a few projects with the lower park attendance at this point yeah so maybe we will get something along along those lines no (laughs) no 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 i do worry that i mean obviously disco yeti's probably like not ever getting fixed at this point well you never know but you know what he still needs dreams yeah i mean once you've created animal kingdom what more do you have to live for oh you've got a lot fixing the yeti he's got so many more projects he designed alani in hawaii that was all him also oh hey which is a gorgeous uh, resort that Disney has in Hawaii. That yeah, um, huge project. I was gonna say, what could possibly be better than <laughs> a whole Animal Kingdom park, like a whole park? Yeah, and then he built an entire resort. Yeah, and then he goes back to Animal Kingdom and is in charge of building Pandora. Wow, which took him six years to do. I could see that. Um, Pandora has been praised as one of Disney's most phenomenal lands. It really is. Uh, It is visually stunning. Um, The rides there, especially Flight of Passage, is phenomenal. It's a wonderful ride. Um, And also, if you're paying attention on your way out of Flight of Passage, you can see Joe Rohde's handprint on the wall of the cave. So just keep an eye out for Joe Rohde. Yeah, it says JR underneath it. Oh, how interesting is that? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It is a really, and, and the thing about that ride is that it has the best queue of any queue ever. Like very it's much just so. so uh, it's, it's very Indiana Jones ride-esque where you're just immersed from the beginning to end uh-huh. of that ride. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of one of the queues where you would go through the queue just to get to the ride. Yeah. And, and. Um, it's super fun. It's yeah, a great, it's a great queue. Even though the line can be really long, n- not can is, is always really long. Uh, there's always something pretty to look at or to hear. It's it's very fun in the line in general. The shortest we've ever seen in one on at bowl times was 75 minutes. Ooh, um, and that was the shortest we've ever seen it. That's a that's a long. And time. we had to stand through a rainstorm in order to. <laughs> that oh, <day>. that's right. <laughs> so. I forgot about that. Um. So after Pandora, that took him a long six years, he thought he'd take on something easier and less less uh, busy, and he changed Tower of Terror, Terror in California to be Mission Breakout. Oh, they gave that to him. Yeah, huh. because he is now the global creative leader of the Marvel properties. Wow. Which means he's probably very hard at work right now on... Hot dang, that's a big old title, isn't it? Right. To have literally all of Disney's Marvel stuff laid directly on your shoulders is a big order. And I guarantee that prior to uh, the shutdown and everything that, and there is still going to happen, that they have massive, massive plans for that in the future. Oh, for sure. They're planning 10 and 10 years out for whatever. Well, we've seen images from California Adventure of the the area that they're building for the Avengers. It's so freaking crazy. It'll be amazing. 100% amazing. Yeah. They have that free-flying animatronic, Spider-Man animatronic there. Unbelievable. That you watch on video and you're like, that's that's like three steps away from just having a person robot 
Right. It moves so well and it literally flies through the air without any wires or anything. Crazy. It's crazy. I hope that it continues to work. Like sometimes those things right, are right, really right, impressive. Right. Uh-huh. And then about 15 minutes after they open, they go, okay, we got to retire this. It keeps breaking. <laughs> go see it the first year, folks. Right. You may not see it year two. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be very impressive one way or the other. They'll have wires by year two. Yeah. Um, so this, these and, and probably more upcoming reasons are why I think Joe Rohde should be a Disney legend if he isn't already. Yeah. Um, he also has one of the most followed Instagram and Twitter accounts because he is he's one of those people whose mind just works slightly differently and in a, in a perfect way. Yeah, people. Well, really we don't follow him on Twitter it. at this point. I don't think, right? Like, we follow him on Instagram. Okay. Uh, I I made sure when I was looking. And into you looked things. it up and stuff. What do you think of his Instagram? It's uh, it's exactly what you would expect. Oh. He takes. <laughs> He has a whole series called uh, Cement Spot Landscapes. Oh, I And love he finds instra- interesting shapes stained or cracked in cement and takes pictures of it, redesigns it to be a place, and then writes little short stories about <laughs> the people who live there. Because he has what so kind much free time to do. Apparently, yeah. He's but just twiddling his thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. That's crazy. What? How inspiring is that? It's super fun. And it's 100% something that if I had lived a life where I made money just off being creative, I would want to keep my creativity rolling constantly also. Yeah. And I think that's a good exercise for him in a situation where maybe he doesn't get the chance to branch out and push right now. He's keeping his creative uh, juices right. rolling. That has been interesting about the shutdown yeah. to watch people continue and to see who they would be if they had nothing else. And right. Now we know what Joe Rody would be. Apparently, he would be making little worlds out of cracks in the cement. Which, by the way, this is totally going to be my band name when I grow up. What's cement it? spotted what? Cement spot lamps, landscapes. Yep. This is it. <laughs> when you grow up. <laughs> this is totally going to be my thing. But honestly, like for me, he's one of the most iconic uh, Imagineers ever. And the legend that you think of outside of, you know, Walt. Well, yeah, out of he's one of the more recent people that I think of when of I think era. of, yeah, because he is, like I said, he's touched so many things that I love in the Disney world that it's impossible, impossible for me not to go Joe Rohde. Just he made my childhood for me, yeah. you know, and continues to make things that I find incredible. Yeah, I can't wait to find out who the next legends are going to be, but I have a feeling like he's going to be like the best. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, no, there's more. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. There's a lot. More. I'm sure. Wait, but wait. it's like I always say, if you need a good place to keep all your knickknacks, try your left earlobe. Follow my perfectly sculpted two-fingered point to the exit. If you enjoyed today's podcast, rate, review us on your favorite podcast app. And if you didn't, help us do better by buying a patch at DisneyPatch.com. Always be proud of what makes you unique. And we'll see you next time on the Obscure Disney Podcast. <laughs>